Welcome back to How It's Played, everyone. My name's Eli Sokin, and I'll be your host today. Joining me along with Jeremy Rogers and Phil Aiken. Awesome. Let's get down to business, guys. Uh, in terms of recent news, BlizzCon happened. There was a couple announcements like Warcraft 3, a new Overwatch hero, which sounds pretty exciting, Hearthstone expansion, and even Free Destiny 2. You should totally get Oof. it. But there was one mm. thing that made fans upset. Diablo Immortal. Not Diablo 4, Diablo Immortal. <laughs> big oof. Big oof. Yeah, fans were really one. excited for it, honestly, but like... Um, not Diablo Immortal, and for probably one main reason, uh, it's a mobile game, not PC. <laughs> um, <laughs> Phil, do you have any uh, thoughts on that? Since you're already smiling, I don't know. Don't you guys have phones? <laughs> <laughs> they literally said that during the conference. Um, but like, the Diablo Three has been out for several years now, so like, fans have been really expecting a new. Diablo. I'm not uh, personally myself a Diablo fan. I'm sure there's plenty out there, but like, it it was sort of a disappointment, especially with, with Blizzard sorry making an announcement beforehand saying, "Hey, be prepared for some Diablo news." So, with that hype up, people were sort of disappointed. And do you think that fans were right to be disappointed, Jeremy? Oh, absolutely. Uh, between Diablo two and Diablo three, fans had to wait so long for a new mainline Diablo game. And so with uh, Diablo 3 being a couple of years out, I think it's about six years old now, about. people were expecting some big news. Big news in a big way. And they got let down. Well, now correct me if I'm wrong, but are they not developing Diablo 4? They just didn't like show anything off at BlizzCon. The original plan was to get up on stage, announce Diablo Immortal as the you know mobile game that it is, and then afterwards they were going to have reps from Blizzard go up on stage and just tell the audience, we are currently developing Diablo 4, but we don't have enough material to show you guys yet. Right. But that got scrapped. And like, okay, so I know they, was it a tweet or was it a post or something where they were like, you know, expect some Diablo stuff there? At BlizzCon. It, it was a tweet. Yeah, but um, I guess correct me if I'm wrong again, but didn't they say, like, don't get hyped up or, like, don't expect too much? Yeah, a little bit. They're like, good things are coming, but even better things take a little bit longer of a wait. Right, and so I feel like, at least for this particular instance, it's kind of on the fans for assuming that Diablo 4 would be shown off here. Mm. I mean, I think Diablo Immortal is definitely a slap in the face. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's, this is kind of on the fans. Like, they never said Diablo Four was going to be announced. People just assumed, and then they let the hype get the best of them, and they were let down. I mean, don't you think it's a little bit of a loaded gun from the company for them to say, "Hey, there's good things coming," and they're like they show like a little Diablo Im- image, and they're like, "But better things are he-. like." It's like a right. weird, and that goes back to time. what Jeremy was saying, where like they planned it, but it was kind of like a last minute thing to just not include any Diablo Four announcement. So I'm assuming when they tweeted that out, they were were planning on Diablo Four, but that it, just didn't happen. They made the change well in advance, like over a week before the actual announcement was okay. made. What the de- they made the decision to pull that announcement for Diablo Four, and I mean, like, really, guys, either of you. If you love a video game franchise, is a mobile port really a good thing that even better things can come after? That's like putting your, 
you know, that's like attaching your limbo bar to a biplane, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, we can totally fit under this. It's going to get even harder next round, though. Yeah, I mean, for for myself personally, when I think of Diablo, like, in the gameplay of it, like, it's more possible for it to be mobile than, like, other popular game franchises. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to put Black Ops on mobile. That's just insanity. But Diablo is a top-down. So, like, it's not insane, but it's definitely not recommended. Listen, man, Black Ops on the Nintendo DS was my oh. jam back in the day, all right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We don't talk about that. <laughs> Doom on a TI-86, all right? <laughs> TI-84. That's the real mobile first-person shooting experience. Skyrim on Alexa. I mean, do you guys think it will actually <laughs> run well on mobile? I mean, we know how mobile games play. Unless it's like a low-res thing like Fire Emblem Heroes, I don't see Diablo Immortal like playing very well. Especially with it being an MMO. I mean, those are pretty intensive, I would say, because, you know, just a huge player base. If there is going to be a huge player base, I mean, do you think a lot of PC players will actually pick this up for mobile? No. No. Absolutely not. About the same ratio of uh, Pokemon players who are really going to dive into, okay, let's go. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, what what do you think is their main reason for not picking it up, besides being it mobile just in the first place? Uh, mostly because, it, from what I've read, it looks... I mean, me as well as you, Eli, I'm not a huge Diablo person. I've never played a game before, but uh, paying attention to this story, a lot of people are saying that a lot of the features in Diablo Immortal are pretty bog standard for Diablo, that there's not a lot of new stuff going on. It just looks like a bad reskin of an existing Diablo Mm -hmm. game and just putting it on a phone. So it doesn't look like Activision Blizzard... Activision Blizzard is really going out of their way to provide a new gaming experience, just providing the same gaming experience in a different place. Yeah, I'd say one of the biggest reasons, um, and maybe the number one reason, is just how Blizzard treated the whole BlizzCon thing and like their reaction to getting booed. It it was not user friendly at all. You know, they did not think of their audience when announcing this. They didn't think of their audience when they replied to it. Um, And so that's in my mind, the biggest turnoff for people buying this game. Yeah, especially when they were having the, uh, they had feedback with the um, people who came to the event, and one of them said, is this an out-of-season April Fool's joke? Yeah. And the guy sort of just smiled and, like, didn't even really respond. He's like, he's like, just sit down. That's it. That's all we need. Like, no more questions, basically. And, I mean, I feel like for Blizzard themselves, I mean, it, I feel like they had a good conference overall it wasn't terrible but in terms of like Diablo it was definitely a downfall for them because like like you guys were saying no one really expected um, a mobile game out of anything and I feel like for um, Diablo itself like it might be good for like newcomers into the series because it's a mobile game so like like they were saying don't you guys have phones like yeah that's sort of insulting to the PC player you know player base but at the same time like it's welcoming new players into the series. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. It is welcoming, but it was not handled in a good way. But I'll also give them a li- give Activision Blizzard a little bit of credit. Uh, their, I think it was their CEO sat down to do an interview, and he said, and rightly pointed out, 
back when they first announced Hearthstone, the fan reaction was kind of similar in mm-hmm. that a lot of hardcore players were just totally turned off by the concept. But after the game got introduced, after people started actually playing, they came around in you know for the most part. And so it kind of you just got to decide for yourself how much credit are you willing to give Activision Blizzard in making their mobile game. I mean, obviously they've put some time and energy into this game because like you do with any game, it takes a lot of time and stuff. So obviously they've sat down and talked about it, hopefully. So like they they have some form of whether or not this will succeed in the industry or not. And I think that it might be like Hearthstone. It might pick up later on, but at first it might be really difficult for a lot of people to accept it, especially with regards to how Diablo 4 or, yeah, Diablo 4 might be coming later on, depending on the situation. I mean, Diablo, for me, has been out for, you know, multiple years on end, so, like, they have to spice it up somewhat. Like, for example, we got the Diablo 3 port on Switch now with the Ganondorf and, like, Nintendo kind of of partnership, and now they're going to mobile, which I would say makes sense. Like, there's the Razer phone. Their phones are getting more powerful and getting closer to consoles in the first place, so... I think it's reasonable. I just feel like they had bad, bad timing, honestly. Well, I feel like it's almost a lose-lose situation either way. Because if you announced Diablo Immortal alongside Diablo 4, everyone would ignore Immortal. No one would care about that. They're like, oh my gosh, we got Diablo 4 and kind of this crappy like mobile game. Uh, versus like when they just showed off only Immortal, then it's like such a huge backlash because, oh my God, you didn't show off uh, Diablo 4. You just showed off this crappy mobile game. Like, that's it. Um, so I feel like no matter what they did, it would kind of be a poor reaction to Immortal either way. I think there's one key bit of the Immortal reveal that kind of influences a lot of how it's looked at, and that's the release date. When they announced Immortal, they didn't have one. They just kind of said, oh, yeah, uh, it... It's coming, guys. Really, and so yeah. for that, everyone, that threw me off a lot. For everyone who's a fan of Diablo, they're just seeing, oh, so I guess this is where the effort is going. Instead of mm-hmm. making Diablo Four, we're getting this. If if Activision Blizzard had come out and said, yeah, this is coming on, you know, September 29th, twenty nineteen, and said that's when Immortal is coming out, and you'll get to play that while you wait for Diablo 4 to come out, I feel like that would have gotten a more positive reaction Mm -hmm. from fans because they'd say, oh, okay, this is just kind of a thing. Well, it's kind of like, let's go. And like Pokemon Gen 8, let's go is just kind of to tide you over until the actual Generation 8 can come out. Mm. I I definitely think that's what they should have done in the first place because not having a release date, especially for a mobile game, that just like throws a lot of people off because they're like, it's a mobile game. It's not supposed to take forever to make. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be available and quick for anyone to play to hold them over. For example, like you were saying, like with Pokemon, like I'm waiting for the next full blown game on right. game on Switch. So like, let's go for me is like a little bit iffy. It's like the gray zone. Like you can either buy it or you you can play it then, or you could just wait for the new one, which they announced, but they haven't really set a release date or given any information on it. Yeah. But, like, I feel like this goes back to the general broader thing of, like, how much do we actually wait for games and, like, how many rumors actually come through the game industry and how much it actually, like, 
sort of psychs us out, honestly, because I feel like this industry is half rumors and half <laughs> garbage <laughs> and stuff. And the other half is like what we actually get. It's like the before and aftermath of like games and like what we were actually expecting versus what we actually get. You know, like it's a typical meme. It's like you were expecting this glorious thing. And then it's like half those things came right. The other half was, uh, it could be better. Yeah. Then you just get watchdogs. <laughs> you just get watchdogs <laughs> on the occasion. You get piranha plant. <laughs> Honestly, piranha plant. Ugh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about piranha plant. Oh, I know how I feel. Day one main. Day one main, okay. But I mean, let's go. 1v1 Piranha Plant final destination, <laughs> right. no items. I have to wait till like mid-February. But I'll see you then, Rogers. I'll pencil you in. All right. <laughs> but I mean, do you think that rumors are generally good for the industry? Yes. In the short answer. <laughs> yeah, yes is the short and, answer. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about it. I would say it's just kind of game to game on whether or not it's a good thing. I mean, why do you think it is a good reason to have rumors in the industry? It keeps people excited for things. I personally, uh, the last time I really got on a hype train and got disappointed was Watch Dogs. And I wasn't super excited for it. I was just more like, whoa, that kind of looks cool and interesting. I want to see how that turns out. And then I really saw how that turned out and was not super pleased. But beyond that, ever since then, I just kind of learned, oh, don't don't get too on board the hype train and you know mitigate your expectations and you'll never be disappointed. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I'm emotionally dead. So, um, <laughs> you know, I don't really expect too much because if what I expected doesn't happen, then okay, well, I didn't really expect it. So I'm kind of right. And if what if I expect... Um, does happen then like great it happened like i'm so happy for it but it i feel like, like video game rumors are just like a preemptive game theory you know it's just yeah. speculation on what's going to happen as opposed to and nothing's official and people has. get their hopes up you know they, they let the hype get the best of them sometimes and they get let down because it's not an official thing right like i'm still kind of holding out hope that sans is going to be one of the five dlc characters in smash <laughs> But until you hear that officially from Sakurai, then you just don't know. And you can you can get your hopes up. That's fine. Uh, they might be dashed, or you know they might come true. Right, right. But I'm not gonna stake my entire enjoyment of the game on my yeah preconceived wishes coming true. I mean, it sounds like a it sounds like almost like a first love with in terms of hype and rumors and stuff. It's because like the first time you get really hyped up for a game, you're like, oh man, I'm really expecting it, and then like it's not as good as you imagined in your head and then you're like never have those those expectations again heart mm -hmm. is closed off for business forever doesn't care ignore everything else exactly just like the best characters in any film noir story I've been burned too many times <laughs> I'm just not ready alright and that's been how it's played thank you all <laughs> we're officially a, a film noir now <laughs> Message to the audience. New podcast. Don't get played. <laughs> that should be our new motto. But um, besides that, um, which companies do you guys think that uh, have the most rumors over overall? Because we've been talking about Smash Brothers a lot. <laughs> I was going to say Nintendo. Yeah, I, I definitely I feel like go by Nintendo. far Nintendo. Um, why is that in particular? Well, I think they've been around the longest. Um, 
you know, I would say like the PlayStation's probably like the biggest console right now ish. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's outperforming it's, in terms of sales figures right. for mainline consoles. Right, but Nintendo's been around. I mean, since the 1800s, but literally in video games since like the 70s, I think it was with the arcade games. So they've got like a long history, and so people have grown up with these characters and these franchises and stuff. And so I feel like they can hope for more fan service than somebody like an Xbox fan could. Plus, I mean. Let's be real here. Nintendo actually makes games that cash in on that nostalgia. Then mm-hmm. PlayStation people not eat really it up too. Sony's not making you know a new first party game, and people aren't gonna go, "Hey man, is Sly Cooper gonna show up?" Because <laughs> that's that's just not gonna happen. Nope. But if you're talking about Smash or a lot of different Nintendo properties, you could conceivably say, you know, is uh, Excitebike gonna show up? <laughs> That would be interesting. I would like that. Am I going to get my hopes up? No, because I don't want them to be crushed. I mean, I think it's personally how the companies sort of like handle their media. Because if you look at Nintendo, Nintendo is very, very secure. They like to keep their things close to their hand. And like, for example, like with Kojima and stuff, like they announced Death Stranding like like a while back, and like we still don't know when that game's coming out, and yet it's still in development for a god-awful long time. We'll never know. And it's like, Nintendo's like, oh, we'll just keep things close. And they're like, bam, Smash Brothers is out. Guess when? This year. So like... Okay, yeah, but to be fair, Nintendo has a pretty bad habit of announcing something and then waiting like a year or so to even like touch it again. Yeah. Like we still don't know anything about Metro Prime Prime 4, uh, Pokemon Gen 8, the new Animal Crossing, uh, Luigi's Mansion 3. Well, more about that. But like... Still, they just they talk about these. They're like, yeah, we're making them, and then it's radio silence for like two years. I find that to be the weirdest thing about Nintendo is that they'll actually announce things, and then like I remember back in the Wii U era and 3DS, they were more conservative on terms of news. They're like, mm-hmm. we only like to announce things at E3 when they're within a year, yeah, or maybe just a slightly over. But I now think, I think that's kind of because they didn't have anything to announce. <laughs> Just a little, just a little bit, just a tad bit. I love my Wii U, I love my 3DS, <laughs> but it's the sad truth. Yeah, when it first came out, that was rough. Mm-hmm. The rough years of 2012 and <laughs> 2015. I mean, it's not as bad as my Vita, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I traded in the Vita for the 3DS. That's Sorry. worthy. That was a worthy trade. But I mean, why do you th- think rumors spread in the first place? Honestly, I mean, do you think it's because of how closely these secrets are kept or just because they push them out there right away and then yeah uh it's because it's something that's kind of taboo like you're not really supposed to know this knowledge but it's fun to kind of like see oh i know like something like i know this character um incineroar like i know he's gonna be in the game like months before he gets revealed and like i'm not supposed to know that i'm not supposed to know that till november but i do know that and so it's fun for me because I'm like, oh, I've got like insider knowledge that I'm, you know, that's supposed to be kept from me, but I know it now. I mean, how credible is that though? How many people will actually believe you? Yeah, I guess that depends on kind of your history and stuff. Um, certain leakers have more credible history than other leakers. Um, some get things entirely right, some things just dead wrong. So I guess that depends leaker to leaker. Mm, I mean, do you think that? rumors are spread to be good in the first place by people or do they just want attention honestly 
Uh, I think most people who make rumors just want attention, but mm -hmm. I also think that most rumors are just like trash tier, not <laughs> plausible things that just get posted on the internet. Yeah. Like, like the same credibility as the people who would always be like, yeah, my uncle works at Nintendo <laughs> and like I can definitely play as Luigi. <laughs> like no. he gave me the special game cartridge and I can definitely do that. Yeah. Um, I think people like their 15 minutes of fame and they like to be able to say if they ever come out that they were like the one who leaked the stuff or made the fake leak. Uh, they like to say like, oh, I made like this whole entire community like get all riled up about everything. And they like I got their hopes up and then they were dashed when like the reveal came out and it wasn't what they were expecting. I also partially think it's based off of like what their own wishes are. Like, for example, in Smash Brothers, someone made a legitimate leak or not legitimate leak, a uh, fake leak of the character select screen, and they sort of made it all on their own, like from scratch, including the background and how it changes, and mm -hmm. they put Raymond in it. And it took them like hours on end to make that little character screen, and so many people were convinced because how realistic it looked and how long that guy took to make that little video that like people legitimately thought, hey man, R Raymond's in the game. Mm. And like afterwards, he was like, no, I just made it just because I wanted to and I really like the character. I'm like, great, great. Now you have everyone's hopes up and that's probably not going to happen anymore. <laughs> yeah, because you've got to be pretty cautious about things. Like if we're going back to Smash Bros with the Grinch leak, like oh. all those characters on there were like the most wanted characters from everybody in the entire Smash community. Except it was missing Goku, Shrek, and Minecraft. Right, <laughs> right. Get out. <laughs> I mean, anyways, I mean, for leaks like that, I just feel like it was a little bit weird in terms of um, what, how many characters actually leaked and, like, like what people actually just pertain to other people's wants and desires and sort of play off of that because, like, we know, like, in certain games, like, you know, fighters and stuff, it's very easy to, like, mani manipulate people's emotions and stuff because mm -hmm. fighters have a lot of variables and there's just a lot of characters you can choose from, especially, mm -hmm. with, especially with Smash Brothers. I mean, honestly, like, if you were a developer, guys, what would your reactions be if someone actually, like, leaked your stuff? If it was an actual legitimate leak, I would be pretty upset. I feel oh, like. yeah. Absolutely. It's I mean, how many, upset. how long did you work? How many hours did you put into this for this, like, grand reveal and then someone just completely ruined it, like, a week or two before? I mean, I'd be pretty pissed off. Yeah, I would be too. But also, if I was a games journalist who got an exclusive scoop on some unreleased content that hadn't been broken yet, I'd be so overjoyed mm -hmm. to break that. And they should. I mean, as a developer, would you find it pretty neat that someone actually went through the effort of trying to find your game and all the information about it? I, or I, again, I think that depends on if the leak's real or fake. If it's a fake leak, then I would say, yeah, I'd be pretty flattered that someone like took the time to make this like clearly fake leak. You know, maybe they're trying to mislead people, but they apparently liked the game enough to put hours into this. And if you're revealing content like for a fighting game, mm -hmm. new characters and such, a wrong leak, that's almost like, that's free advertising. Yeah. That's just building up the hype around who you're actually going to leak that much more. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I was the developer and they leaked wrong, 
what if it was a in other games besides fighting? What if they said, "Oh, it has this many features," and then your game only has this many? I would feel a little bit intimidated by that. Well, that's why you got to take like all the rumors with a grain of salt. But obviously, some people don't even do that because, yeah. I mean, looking back on the Diablo announcement, a lot of people didn't even like consider, hey, we might not get Diablo 4. I mean, they didn't say Diablo 4 specifically, so. Yeah, I know. It's always it's always an issue with hype, honestly. I mean, for, for myself, in terms of like development stuff, I think it would be sort of neat that my game would get leaked a little bit. I know. I feel like some game companies do it on purpose that they leak their stuff. Like Ubisoft, they always leak Assassin's Creed right before E3. <laughs> like it's constant. Like it's like, oh look, we're going to go to Egypt this time around, and like people are like, you did this last year. <laughs> we literally knew the location before E3 last year, and like I just feel like it's a little bit weird. It's a little bit suspicious, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, do you feel like game companies intentionally let people? slide by with leaks or do you think it just happens commonly um i would say company to company it would of course be different uh some people really want to keep their games on lock and key because they want that reveal to be like so so sweet and i think like with nintendo uh, if someone legitimately leaks their stuff they've got like a sniper rifle trained on the person like as they're typing it out. <laughs> but another company who could probably, maybe they're smaller, maybe they could benefit from the hype and from the leak. I don't think, I think they'd be willing to let that slide. See, I feel like the biggest companies have the least to worry about from leaks. Why is that? Uh, just because I feel like if you're a smaller developer, you're probably reaching a smaller audience. So the more sales that get, you know, the more people who get turned off from buying your product because of a leak the larger an impact it'll have on your bottom line. Yeah, I guess that would make sense. But what if it causes more hype? If it causes more hype, that's fine, but mm-hmm. I also feel like it's it's a huge double-edged sword. Okay. I mean, and I feel like there there's while there might be greater chance for reward, there's still that greater chance for risk. <laughs> but if the leak came out and it's real and people are like kind of turned off from it, you can come out and say like maybe you can make some quick adjustments and you're like, actually, here's what the real game's going to look like. That leak was fake. You know, like here's something that um, is better than what you guys saw. I mean, mm. potentially, but it depends on, it really depends on what the negative reaction is to. Mm-hmm. If it's a core mechanic or core element of your game, there's not a lot you can do to fix that, especially especially if you're not a huge development studio that can actually budget, mm-hmm. oh, let's delay the game for a year so we can really shop this around. I mean, how often do you guys see rumors that are actually like worse than what the game actually was? Like, you, like exactly. Like, I can't think of a game that rumors were actually like worse than the the actual game. You know, like I don't ever see a rumor spreading around like, "Hey, this game is going to be like crap." Convert, and then like the game comes out and blows everyone's minds. Like, I've never seen that happen. I mean, have you guys? I can't think of one off the top of my head. Neither can I. I mean. It's it would be a weird situation, and that would be some crazy mind games from the company in the <laughs> first place, like fake leaking a game to see what their reactions were, and then going off those reactions and making a better game. I mean, it's, it's it would be incredible marketing, but like at the same time, like I feel like the public would be like a little bit. It's it, they would feel like 
lab, you know, lab rats, you know, like literally like they would be slightly irritated maybe. Like imagine like a week from now, Diablo or and Blizzard would say, hey, you know, Diablo Mor- Immortal, that was scrapped. It was actually Diablo 4. We're actually improving it a lot since that reaction. Like, would you guys be upset? Like, what do you think Diablo players would be upset? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, let's just be real. Yeah. They they probably would. I'd feel, if I was a fan of the franchise, I'd be like, the heck, guys? Yeah. <laughs> Why all the lying? Just, just if you got a game, just tell me the game. I mean, yeah, I don't disagree with you there. Do you ever feel like a game is a little bit too overhyped, though? Like, besides... Watch Dogs, like which which games do you commonly see overhyped? Phil, I feel like there's one shining example that everyone can point to. Yes, it's been talked about. And I'm going to name it. Why? Because I bought it recently. No Man's Sky. Hmm. So you bought it recently? Yeah, it was on sale for like ten bucks, and so I heard it got really good after all the, the newest updates. So mm-hmm. I thought, eh, why not? It's not bad. Not yeah. now. It was when it came out, though. Another one that uh, fell victim to a huge hype train was Spore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. It was hyped as this hugely educational thing that'll totally teach everyone who plays it about how evolution really works. And then everyone just... Well, uh, it's not safe for work to look up what people did with Spore. Yeah, yeah I mean... For myself personally, I think there's, in terms of games, I feel like Watch Dogs for me was another, like you were saying, like I got really hyped for the game because I thought the hacking mechanisms and like that kind of clever mechanic of the game was going to be really implemented. And like watching all that stuff, I'm like, okay, this is going to be a good game. Like back then Ubisoft wasn't terrible, honestly. Like they weren't great either, but like it was about around Assassin's Creed Black Flag era. Like right around that time, so I was like, wasn't wasn't bad. Like I was still feeling the huge burn from Assassin's Creed Three, swore <laughs> off the franchise, but uh, you do you. Four is the only one that matters, honestly. Yeah. No, doesn't matter. It was after oh. three, and I'm not going through that, that again. That's a shame. You should definitely give it a try, though. Nothing after no. four. <laughs> See, I'm the same with like you, but four is like my three. See, they had their chance. I love. I liked one, I loved two, I hated all the expansions and all the little almost sequels to two, and then they had their chance with three, mm-hmm. that was their last chance, and they blew it. But they fixed it with four, blew it again after four. Yeah. And we've been getting, like, Odyssey, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, like... I wouldn't know. I feel like it just goes back to, like, what games have been, like, presented to the public, because... I remember looking at like Watch Dogs and like it's E3 showing and it looked fantastic back then. And then you look at the actual game and like the exact same setting, the exact same location in the game and it looks drastically different than the E3 presentation. And I'm like, it it shouldn't look like this. It should be the same, but it's never the same because like at E3 they constantly show off new games and they want to be the best of the best, yet it never is like E3. Looking at you, Spider-Man, and your lack of puddles. <laughs> I was just thinking of that. It's kind of become a meme. Uh, like, oh, look at E3. This is amazing. It's next gen. And then, you know, the game comes out, and it's pretty last gen. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, do you think that E3 is honestly just misleading a whole bunch of people? At this point, I don't think so. I feel like people would expect to see an E3 demo and be like, oh, this is really good. And then, like, it's a demo. The game's going to change before it comes out. What you're viewing is not a final product, and I don't think they advertise it as a final product. Yeah, I mean, for me, I just feel like the people have bad memory when it comes to, like... Well, that's kind of on them at that point. It's like you go to... You ask a friend who owns their own restaurant, hey... So uh, how's the food at your restaurant? Obviously, they're going to tell you. Yeah, man, best food you'll ever have yeah, in your it's, life. To sell us stuff, like the same thing happens with just about any figures. Like you look at like Amiibo, for example, like the prototypes of Amiibo, they look amazing. You see the yeah. mass produced stuff, it looks like garbage, especially like the first wave of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Let's get political in here. Any politician who promotes themselves on the campaign trail is going to say, you know, I'm the best, I'll mm-hmm. have the most transparent administration, I'll make the best trade deals, whatever. But that doesn't always mean that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when companies get up on stage in E3 and have this ridiculously long musical number for some reason, mm-hmm. Sony, I don't twice. I don't understand, like, I, I watch Sony's and Microsoft's presentation and I always get thrown off by it because, like, Microsoft always, like, advertises, like, Look at this car. Look, I'm like, what's the point? Like, this is, I'm not at a car show. And then like <laughs> Sony's like, man, this country music really is home. I'm like, I'm not playing a game just for the music. If I'm playing a game just for the music, I'm playing Guitar Hero. Not, I'm playing Wii music. I'm look, no, no. Speaking of hype trains gone wrong. Oh god. <laughs> the oh man, I don't. I don't like to think about that. Now I'm getting PTSD from those E3 presentations. But, I mean, like, for for myself, I feel like Sony and Microsoft do really weird things when it comes to E3. And Nintendo, like, I've, they stepped out in it. They're, like, weird. Nintendo's the normal one. They no, do puppets. They're the normal one now. Like, granted, like, they're, they do videos. They're the actual normal ones. They actually talk about games. Granted, they didn't talk about much last E3, but, like... They still talk about games. All they needed to say was Smash Bros. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. The presentation console seller like right there. Ten seconds. That's it. Yeah. Showed all the characters, please. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah. going uh, going off of hype and stuff. I mean, I feel like the, those presentations nowadays are just honestly just really misleading. I don't really. If I had the opportunity to go to E3, I probably wouldn't, because like. I mean, all the games there are just demos. And, like, the lines are, what, three hours long for each demo? And you only get to play for a short amount of time? And, I mean, I would go to see, like, Nintendo's presentation, maybe Treehouse Live, but that's that's about it. I mean, the other two organizations, like, you know, Microsoft and Sony, like, yeah, they have presentations, but what are they doing? (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. I want to go to Devolver Digital's press conference, Mm. E3, feel like it would be a blast. I was going to say, uh, like, a bunch of smaller studios, like indie games and stuff, I feel like they would be worth going to E3 for. Because I'm assuming that their line's going to be much shorter than a AAA demo. Definitely. And so you might actually be able to talk to the developers there and stuff and actually interact with the people who are creating it versus, like, Smash Bros. You're not going to be able to talk to Sakurai there. Yeah. And not just because none of us can speak Japanese. I feel like the people who mainly... Yeah, benefit wrong. from like all the hype and like the demos are actually like the indie games because 
I remember going to Indie PopCon, I think it was a couple of years ago, and like they had a Battle Chef Brigade there, like with the developers, and I talked to them, and they're like, yeah, we're making this game, and like it's going out really well, and we're hoping to get it on these this many platforms, and like actually make all these random things, and I'm like, okay, that sounds really cool, and I actually got to play it for a bit, and like, this is a really nice game, and like, like those indie games, those really small ones, it's not really possible for them to make a team just to have a little build demo like that is actually different from their actual game that they're going to release. Mm-hmm. So like, I feel like they benefit the most out of the entire rumor slash hype train kind of deal. Like, if that makes sense to yeah. you guys. And like, I'm very positive that every single demo is advertised as not the final product. Like they say, this is not the full game or this is not finished. So like, you know, this doesn't reflect what's going to be shipped out later on. Really? Because so. like when I see those pre-rendered cutscenes that are just trailers, I just immediately associate that with actual gameplay in my head. Right. You know, I ignore the little text at the bottom of the screen that says, this is not gameplay. I actually thought that that was just going to be in the game. <laughs> That's like, a joke, you know. The like, developers have a sense of humor. Like, I thought we were just getting really meta? <laughs> I, my mistake, guys. a good old forced wall break. I mean, I feel like I remember especially watching the Spider-Man footage, like E3 and stuff. I'm like, all right, there's a lot of cutscenes, but, like, how do I how do I feel about this game? Like, yeah, it looks good, but does it play good? Like, that's the question that's mm-hmm. on everyone's minds 24-7 when it comes to game announcements and... Like, all those videos. It looked like a Spider-Man game. It, I mean, aside from awesome-looking cinematics, it just kind of looked like exactly what you would expect from a competent studio making a Spider-Man game. Mm -hmm. Which is great. I'm just always skeptical. And from all accounts, all reviews, that's what it was. It was a Spider-Man game. Surprise, surprise, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, no turnball there, or... Not turnball, curveballs. There we go. No curveball there. Yeah, it was a curveball because we were all expecting it to be terrible. Well, not everyone, just mainly me, I guess. <laughs> I've been burned after No Man's Sky. I'm kidding. I was never in the hype for No Man's Sky. I knew it would suck. I'm one of those hipsters that was in before. I remember having a friend of mine was like, oh, dude, I'm so hyped for this game. I'm saving up for it. You know, it's going to be crazy. And I'm like, okay, you know, don't let your hype get too high up there. And. He was disappointed. I mean, it's 12 developers on their team. So, like, obviously, it's they can't accomplish what AAA, you know, developers and stuff have made. Joe Danger was a great game. Mm -hmm. Loved playing it on my Vita before I traded it in. But I didn't expect, you know, this humongous thing to come out of the people who made Joe Danger. Yeah, well, at that point, you know, they're just kind of, like, lying about what's actually in the game. And that's what getting people's hypes up. Hopes up, hypes up, yeah, same difference. This falls back to, like, who's actually trustworthy trustworthy in the industry? Is it companies? Right, which is why I tend to take everything with a grain of salt, because you can't even trust the developers sometimes. Oh, especially not the developers. I would say some companies, like Nintendo, are more trustworthy with their stuff. Right, right. What they show off is almost always what you're going to get. Right, right. I still remember that Star Fox Zero promo. Oh, yeah. How they got people to come in and play that and it looked fantastic mm-hmm. mm. it, looked, it looked fantastic and it it's it stayed looking fantastic the entire time i tried to play it and tried to figure out how to control it 
I can just, I always get a little bit like, just a little smidge overhyped about Star Fox because I'm like, it's gotta be different this time <laughs> around. Like, they can't just have the typical going to planet to planet <laughs> level style because like it's all the same. It's always just an, you know Star Fox 64 just reimagined. I Which sw- itself was a reimagining of the SNES title. Like, yep. I, I swear, it's like it's a constant. They just need to stop. It's time to stop Nintendo. Everything but Star Fox Adventures is the same game. They honestly, it's just so terrible now. Star I like Fox. if they don't change up that formula, I will not get a Star Fox game. Give me Adult Tricky. I want <laughs> Star Fox Adventures too. <laughs> that one be, would not be a bad idea, but like that's yeah. a terrible idea. Exactly. Yeah, but you know what would happen? Everyone would think it's terrible going in. There would be no hype train for oh, it. Yeah. So we'd avert this entire problem. Exactly. It's like Mario plus Rabbids. Oh, that game was leaked too. People didn't believe that at first. Yeah, yeah. Which, that even threw me off. I'm like, okay, either the person who made this leak is A, really stupid, B, is trying to troll everyone, or C, this is a legitimate leak, and we're just all stupid. <laughs> it turned out to be option C. And it, I, it wasn't a terrible game from reviews I heard. It was oh, it was like, amazing. I, I loved it. I yeah. 100%ed it. Like, it's one of the few games I've done that with. It's just it's such a weird game. <laughs> yeah, Hats it's, off to Grant Kirkhope for that beautiful soundtrack. Oh it's, a fan, it's a phenomenal game. But, I mean, in t- in talking about uh, games that are underrated, do you guys have a particular game that you think people typically just push off to the side? Like, people just sort of ignore in the first place? Are we talking, like, AAA games or indie games? It could be either or. Or it could be both. Okay. Um, yeah, if we're talking about, like, bigger name games, I would say, going back to Nintendo stuff, a lot of things on the Wii U were probably, like, overlooked. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite games on that console was Xenoblade Chronicles X. Yes. It's one of my all-time favorite games. I love that game so much, and I don't think a lot of people tried it because, one, it's kind of like an RPG that's massive, um, mm-hmm. and two, it's on the Wii U. Yeah. Not a whole lot of people had the Wii U. It should be on Switch. I really right. want it for Switch. Right. <laughs> Uh, but then you go on to like more of the indie game side. I feel like that's more of like a can of worms because a lot of them are like so small. They don't quite have the marketing that AAA games have. So a lot of them go overlooked. And so you end up finding like a lot of hidden gems. Like I just recently got into uh, Hyperlight Drifter. I think that's a, a fantastic game. But I think it's also a little overlooked. Mm. Jeremy, do you have any games that are on your mind? Or do you want me to go already? Oh, just... I mean, there are some games that I feel like definitely do get overlooked and shouldn't. I mean, if mm-hmm. you look at Nintendo's store place, if you look at Steam, oh my god, Steam. But they, <laughs> neither of those places have any idea how to curate a games library to make good games easily accessible. I mean, Life of Black Tiger is all I have to say about PS4 and the PlayStation Store. And does anyone... Does anyone use Microsoft Store? No. Nope. I nope. don't really want to. <laughs> right, right. I forgot. No one bought a Xbox One this generation. Uh, <laughs> this is where the air horns will come in. <laughs> it's yeah. still going to be true this holiday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, there are definitely games that deserve to be looked at. Everyone's got different tastes. Like, I'm gotten into like the wasteland type of games those okay. isometric 
XCOM games. I don't know. I feel like they deserve a bigger audience. I'm glad yeah. games that were more niche like Skyrim and The Elder Scrolls finally hit it big with a big audience. I feel like The Witcher has kind of done that too with its yeah, third three. installment. Definitely. I mean, for me personally, when it comes to AAA games, I'm sort of in the bo- same boat with Phil with the Wii U because, like, for example, I didn't realize how good Platinum Games was mm-hmm. until they came out with, you know, Bayonetta 2 and Wonderful 101. And at first I was a little bit iffy about 101, but then, like, I played it a bit and, like, I got really into it. And, like, this is a fantastic game. Like, I feel like, like you were saying, Nintendo, and, like, they don't really, like, a lot of online stores when it comes to video games, it's very hard to find, like, good game. Like, they don't do a good job at representing, like, every single game there is. They always like to do the, oh, man, here's the newest MLB game. And, like, that's what PlayStation does all the time. They always like to feature their sports games, mm-hmm. which is weird. But they do it. And Nintendo always features their own games because it's Nintendo and self-promotion. Yeah. Uh, but to be fair with Nintendo, they're trying to really push indie games Definitely. more heavily. Uh, so I feel like their Shovel Knight, mm-hmm. you know, it owes its success to Nintendo. Definitely. And I I feel like in terms of indie games, the one that's really stood up to me the most, I feel like Shovel Knight has gotten pretty popular in mm-hmm. terms of the indie scene. But um, Golf Story. I was just about to say Golf Story, yeah. Golf Story is fantastic. Like, it, it seems like a simple kind of sports game, like very pixelated. Mm-hmm. I was like didn't know how I feel about it, but it's r- really funny. It has a good story to it, and it's actually mildly challenging, I would say. Like, mm-hmm. the courses vary, and, like, you actually learn how to play the game according to, like, the specific mm-hmm. green you're on or the specific course or right. whatever club you're using, and it's fantastic. I love the game. played it so much. But you were saying... I finally got an answer for you. Awesome. A game that was underhyped criminally. It was made by Bossa Studios, the people behind uh, Surgeon Simulator and I Am Bread. Oh boy. Oof. Uh, it was called Deck Splash. They only ever got to a closed beta before they decided to halt all production on the game. They gave it away for free on Steam and said, if we can't get 100,000 people to play this game, then we're going to cease all development. We had articles on it here at Byte. You should go check them out. It was a fun game. It was like a mixture of Tony Hawk and Splatoon. It's fucking cool. Mm-hmm. But you all let us down. All of you. <laughs> I'm talking to Phil. I'm talking yeah. to Eli. I'm talking to you, listener. I, I've never even uh, heard of that game, so that's definitely a fault on my part. I a, haven't heard of that. <laughs> it was a fantastic game. It was a beautiful game. It did not deserve its fate. <laughs> okay, now let me ask you this. Do you guys play uh, visual novels at all? I played uh, Firewatch, but that's okay. about it. I mean, it was Jeremy. okay. Telltale games? Do those count? No. Okay, then no. Not at all. I'm going <laughs> to toss Telltale um, in the garbage. Uh, if you're wanting to hear more about Telltale games, check out our podcast before where we talked about them and how... They went down the drain really fast. <laughs> but I think, like, the entire genre of visual novels suffers quite a bit. Because, like, it's a visual novel. So it's a lot of text, and you're just kind of reading it. You might be solving some puzzles here and there. But for the most part, you're just kind of, like, reading a book. But it's fun. Um, some of my favorite games from that those, those genres are, like, Valhalla on Steam 
or um, the Zero Escape series on the Nintendo consoles with oh, 999. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's a phenomenal game. But, like, how many people do you hear talking about that? That's such a niche series. When the third uh, installment of that series came out, I went to GameStop to pre-order it back when I still did that. Yeah. And I remember picking it up on that day, and the employee told me, this is the only copy we received at that particular store. That's insane. Yeah, just that one, because I pre-ordered it, or else they would not have gotten it at all. Like... I love visual kind of novels. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, I'm a really huge fan of the Professor Layton series. Like, yeah. we'll die for that series. Like, I don't care what anyone says about that series because it's such a fantastic game. Like, at first it's like, oh, it's a puzzle game. Like, that's what everyone thinks. But then behind that is characters. There's story. There's visual mm-hmm. storytelling. Like, there's just so much to get, do and see with that game. Yeah, and, like, there's there's the occasional one that just rises above the rest, like Doki Doki Literature Club. Yeah. Like, I feel like that got pretty uh, well-known mainly because it's free. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless of that, like, it's one of the rare things in its seri- in like its genre that can just rise above all the other ones. But there's so many in that genre that just get overlooked because it's simply a visual novel. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Do you think that uh, visual novels typically get um, undervalued, Jeremy? I don't think I'm a fair person to ask that question to because I don't consume any. So I'm not a good <laughs> judge of their value. That's all right. Yeah. Well, it looks like this has been all today for How Is It's Played. Joining me today was Jeremy Rogers and Phil Aiken. Awesome. Make sure to check us out at ByteBSU.com along with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all the social media feeds. This has been Eli Soakland. Thank you for listening.